Saints fans, Pelicans fans, let's go. This is the Black and Blue Report. Black. Bree is going to go deep. He's got ground. Touchdown. Blue. Down the lane. Shoots. No. Tip follow in for Davis with three tenths of a second left. Welcome into the podcast for the fans, straight from the teams they love. It's good to see you guys, and uh, I didn't know we had Studio B here in our facility. Good setup. Now that I know where your guys' little office is, I can pop in here whenever I want. Well, we're playing through AD, and so everybody's going to have to adjust to that. Coaches, players, analysts, celebrities, and more. That guy's Anthony Mackie. I've gotten in many of our arguments about the Pelicans and the Saints uh, over the years. Harry County Jr. joins us here on the Black and Blue Report. Undoubtedly, to me, the Saints are the singular reason that New Orleans is back on the map. Hoda Kotb from the Today Show on NBC, our guest. You know, New Orleans gets in your blood. The Saints never leave it once they get in there. This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio. Wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. How goes it? Welcome into the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. We've reached Wednesday, haven't we, friends? Hump Day is here. We're getting ever so close now to the huge weekend at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Saints and Falcons both back to work, full practice today especially for the Saints as they will push their schedule back a little bit they're working on that short week uh, obviously after playing on Monday night Uh, so they'll kind of get it going today there'll be late locker room access later on and our own John DeShazer will have all things covered for you at NewOrleansSaints.com as the Saints begin their preparations for the Falcons kind of a normal week here for Atlanta and they're back on the practice field with their normal Wednesday schedule today. We'll learn more about the Atlanta Falcons today as we begin our conversation about this weekend showdown with D. Orlando Ledbetter. And he's a beat writer on the Falcons beat for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And there are some things that he's got to keep an eye on with regard to the Falcons this week. We'll know a little more, I think, about Julio Jones as a practice begins for the Falcons this week. Mr. Ledbetter is set to uh, join us and not only update that situation, but share his thoughts about what may happen in that noon kickoff on Sunday at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. By the way, the game's on Fox this weekend, in case you're wondering about the television coverage. And we do know this, it is the uh, Kevin Burkhart, John Lynch, Pam Oliver crew from Fox calling the game. Kevin Burkhart has been on the show many times will be with us on Friday to share his thoughts as he arrives at Saints camp to start his homework with uh, Sean Payton, Drew Brees, and the like. So football side, we're going to talk about that today and uh, certainly begin that conversation, which will continue all week long. Meanwhile, the Pelicans got a big win last night. The NBA team here in New Orleans finishes their first three-game homestand with a record of 2-1 and one, with a 119-111 win over the Utah Jazz last night at the Smoothie King Center. Some of the principals were prominent, obviously, with Anthony Davis getting 31 points, nine rebounds, and three blocks. But Tyreek Evans, after a slow start, had 17 points in the second half, 19 in all. And then Ryan Anderson continues his resurgence. It's three really good games now for Rhino. And deep dump, 28 points on the Jazz last night from the Pelicans bench. We're going to hear from Rhino in just a moment. But I think I said on the radio last night, uh, during the first three quarters with John DeShazer, I said, this pretty much stinks. <laughs> the game was really rotten 
especially in the first half. It got better in the third, and then, man, did the Pelicans pour it on in the fourth, both offensively and defensively, scoring 41 points, their second-best quarter scoring this season, and then holding down the Jazz uh, to 22 points in that fourth quarter. I think that the Jazz, if I'm not mistaken, were 7 of 24 in the fourth quarter. They really locked things down, and the Pelicans now are 12 and 12 on the season. I'm going to keep saying this. I've said it before, but I'm going to say it again. With regard to the strength of schedule, one of the toughest so far in the NBA, if the Pelicans can reach the end of December at 500, maybe even a game better, I think you'll look at the first two months of the season as a relative, uh, relatively successful stretch. And then things get a little easier in January, February, and on into March. So, so far the goal is achieved, and uh, now you face uh, three really tough teams coming up uh, this weekend with uh, two of them on the road. You've got Houston tomorrow night, home against Portland Saturday, and then Oklahoma City on Sunday at OKC. So you, if you, if you thought the last couple were difficult, wait till you see the uh, next three to four here facing, excuse me, the uh, New Orleans Pelicans. Nonetheless, a win's a win. You'll take it. And here is head coach Monty Williams last night following his team's 12th win of the season. Into a win tonight. You just stay with it. Um, we, we've always said, you know, we're, we're going to keep swinging, keep fighting, stay the course, all those things that you hear. But tonight was certainly that. Um, I thought our bench, uh, they gave us 52 points and a number of other things, but I thought their energy uh, gave us a, a bit of a jolt tonight. And um, the starters got going a little bit once those guys got us back into the game. And then, you know, <laughs> even then, the third quarter was still um, one of those quarters you want to forget from a defensive standpoint. And then in the fourth quarter, um, we had an explosion and held them to 22 points. Coach, is this a team that you still kind of almost have to grab by the shoulders and give them a shake and say, hey, this can't happen? Or do you, do you now have enough leadership that they know to do this on their own? Well, I, I, I let the guys lead a little bit tonight in timeouts, um, AD and Drew. Uh, Tyreek, um, all those guys were talking. They knew what we needed to do for whatever reason uh, it wasn't being done. And I think we're, there was still a hangover from the other night. It's, sometimes it's hard to bounce back from an emotional game uh, when you feel like you have the best team in the league uh, down and you don't get that game. Uh, it can hang with you for a while. Uh, it's tough to get that next win, and we got it. So it says a lot about our team. Coach, I'm probably as hard on Austin Rivers as anybody, yeah. but tonight, boy, he was a huge lift for you coming off that bench. Yeah, I thought defensively he was great, uh, fighting over screens. Um, I thought the three he hit was huge. In transition, he was pretty good tonight. Uh, he got an and one, uh, finished that by knocking down the free throw, then comes back and hits that three. And then his defense was, was really good tonight. Like I said, he fought over screens about as good as I've ever seen him tonight. Two and one homestand, pleasing? Yeah, it is. Um, you know, we're, we're still stinging about the uh, Golden State game, but um, it's good to be able to uh, start to make this a special place to play. And our fans were unreal tonight. I mean, that energy that we got from our fans um, in that fourth quarter, I know our guys fed off of that and we're gonna need more of it. The win last night was also a win against the Western Conference, your eighth of the season, as Daniel Salerson pointed out to me last night. Uh, that eighth conference win comes here in uh, December as opposed to last year. Well, it took you until late January to achieve your eighth win against the West. And last night was also the eighth win at home, another key here for the Pelicans. 
in 2014 and 15. All right, star of the game last night was Ryan Anderson. As we mentioned, 28 points. He had six three-pointers last night, and he was ours after the uh, final horn sounded. Ryan Anderson, who finished with 28 points, six three-pointers tonight, Rhino, and you helped fuel a fourth-quarter comeback. This is the first time you guys have won this season when trailing after three quarters. Yeah, we need to do that more. You know, I think we fought, we battled back, and um, we just made great plays in the end, and we shared the ball made the right plays and got defensive stops. I mean, that's a tough team to guard because of their bigs and their ability to get offensive rebounds. And I think we, we did a good job of uh, making that really tough for them in the in that fourth quarter. Yeah, it was, they are physical, Rhino, but let's be honest, it was ugly the first three quarters. Why was it so bad? Um, I don't know. Okay. I, I think that we, uh, you know, we weren't moving the ball as well. Uh, you can see there was just a change of tempo. I mean, I can't explain it, but um, when I right before I was coming in, uh, we had a little run, and you could just see the energy change, the, the tempo change, the crowd got involved. and um, So I, I think we just weren't controlling the game until that fourth quarter. And um, But but we did a good job of closing it out. I mean, that's what great teams do. They they come through in the, in the end and um, win big games like that. All right, let's get back to the good. Let's see. You had a little bit of a slump working. Your last three, you seem back to yourself. Your team has proven they can win when Davis can't help you. You've also now shown that you can win tonight when things aren't going well and you need to turn it on at both ends of the floor. So it seems like, Ryan, we just keep watching you guys take steps here. That's what we need to do. I mean, we need to improve. We need to get better, and we need to uh, uh, learn how to uh, win. <laughs> you know, it sounds stupid, but we really, this team really needs to learn how to win um, uh, consistently and, and how we need to play that tempo. And, um, you know, we need to turn it on. This is a team that can just pick and choose when we want to turn it on. We just got to keep that switch on. I don't even know if that reference makes any sense. Does it make sense to you guys? It makes perfect sense because you guys switched on the flip defensively in the fourth quarter. What did you see that you could take advantage of defensively in that fourth quarter? We just needed to, to, to get up in our men a little bit stronger. I mean, we, we needed to be a physical, be a lot more physical, and, and um, obviously make, make, make them take tough shots, make them drive to the basket and, and um, take tough shots. You know, I think our, our big guys did a great job at, of, uh, of uh, you know, stopping penetration and, and getting to the rim. I think the problem was just that offensive rebound. You know, they had offensive rebound position so much. Um, but we did a good job eliminating that in the fourth quarter, and, and I think that was a big change, eight big and, difference. Eight and three at home, Rhino. As always, we thank you for your uh, your help in helping us break it down tonight. Nice work. We enjoyed it. You got it, guys. Anderson and the rest of the Pelicans are practicing this morning, and then we'll fly to Houston, Texas this afternoon to get set for their first meeting of the year with the Rockets. That's tomorrow night, 730 Central, on the Pelicans Radio Network and Fox Sports New Orleans. Speaking of Fox Sports New Orleans, David Wesley in just a moment. It is, of course, a Wesley Wednesday. So David next, and then we'll talk to D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, and we'll wrap up our visit with you today with our final visit of the season regarding fantasy football. Daniel Salerson sits down with Jake Seeley from rotoexperts.com. Get you set for this coming weekend of football. Stay with us. Be at the Smoothie King Center to see your New Orleans Pelicans take flight on Saturday, December 20th at 6 p.m. when the Portland Trailblazers come to town. It's holiday time at the Smoothie King Center with the first 8,000 fans receiving a free holiday ornament courtesy of People's Health. 
The Pelicans Fest pregame block party tips off with fun at 4.30 with music, games for the kids, and a lot more. Tickets start as low as $18. Call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com to get your seats today. In New Orleans, food is more than a passion. It's a tradition. And Zatarans has been part of that tradition for 125 years. From jambalaya and dirty rice to crab boil and more, Zatarans has been jazzing up dinner since before there was jazz. And we're excited about what next season might bring. Jazz it up tonight with Zatarans, proud sponsor of the New Orleans Pelicans. Guess what day it is? Hump day? Well, yeah, and it's Wesley Wednesday on the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. We have we have many sayings around here on this uh, podcast, and most of them we cannot share um, for obvious reasons. But one that we can is uh, is our little saying that goes, uh, "If it's Wednesday, it must be Wesley." So uh, with that, uh, Wesley Wednesday is on a tap here for you now. As the analyst for Fox Sports New Orleans joins us from an undisclosed location in preparation for the brief road trip to Houston, Texas. Good morning, David. Good morning, sir. And I'm in the building. Good to uh, hear your voice this morning. Well, thank you. Um, I just feel like I just saw you 10 minutes ago, but that was last night, and it was after a Pelicans win, which gave the Pelicans a nice 2-1 and homestand. Uh, I didn't think it was going to happen with the way the game started last night, but you pulled Ooh. out a win, David, at 119-111 over the Jazz. Ugly, ugly, ugly three and a third, three and a fourth quarter. I mean, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't pretty, but, uh, you know, you, you, at the end of the day, it goes down as a win. You you don't even look back and how you want it. You just know you won and brilliant fourth quarter on both ends of the floor. Uh, the lowest qu- quarter point scoring was in the fourth. The highest scoring quarter for the Pelicans was in the fourth, which, was the difference and outscore them by 20 after basically losing every quarter before that is pretty good. Pretty good. They showed some, um, some really good stuff out there. What did they do to turn the game around? Well, they, they started playing a little bit of defense. They started getting some turnovers and those turnovers turned into, um, into baskets. They got the right mix of guys out there that were playing well together, uh, sharing the ball as well as, playing with a little more urgency. When you play teams that are on losing streaks, that are struggling, you you let them get their head up, they get the energy, they get the momentum, and that's what was going on before the fourth quarter. And then in that fourth quarter, the right mix of guys came out there with that sense of urgency that that was missing for three quarters and started playing some some basketball. That team is not good. Averaging 95 a game, giving up 102 or three a game, they're not good. So don't allow them to pretend to be good, and that's what happened for three quarters. And finally, you could kind of see why they have the record they have. Ryan Anderson told us on the radio last night, David, after the game, that this team is still trying to learn how to win, and that last night winning an ugly game or at least taking care of a team that you're supposed to uh, is part of that process of them growing and getting better. It is. And and you talk about – you talk about growth and getting better, how you approach games, how you approach teams with losing records. Uh, all that is is in the little pot, and it's getting all stirred around. And 
they're all trying to figure out uh, still, you know, um, Drew Holiday goes from scoring 30 in back-to-back games to uh, taking six or seven shots. That's growth. That, that's okay if that's what the game calls for. Um, I would have liked to see him, see him be a little more aggressive early in the game, but, you know, he didn't try to get his at the end. Um, Anthony Davis, another exceptional game, and, and Ryan Anderson obviously uh, finally shot the face off of it like we're, we've, we've seen so many times in the past. They're finding their way, and it's a it's a funny mix. It's a funny mix because you have four four guys out there that can go get you twenty on any given. He'll get you thirty on any given night, and that means somebody has to chill out and let them do it. You know, um, you take your opportunities, and you may end up with ten, but somebody gets thirty, you win. Everybody should be happy. Coach Williams uh, mentioned last night that he had to jump Anthony's case a little bit in the first half, uh, basically telling Anthony, you're not playing at the superstar level you aspire to be. And uh, to Anthony's credit, he found a way there. I thought he was I thought he was maybe the biggest key in that fourth quarter turnaround for the Pelicans. Yeah, and I agree with Coach Williams. He wasn't, and nobody was. Uh, nobody was playing to their level. Uh, and Anthony Davis, if, if you're playing to the rest of your team's level – and they're not even playing to their level, then you're way off your superstar uh, leader uh, of the team level. And, and and he wasn't. He was just kind of out there. And those bigs uh, in, in Rudy Gobert and uh, Cantor were just eating their lunch in the, in the paint. Uh, drive to the basket, nobody there. Um, Anthony Davis didn't have three blocks, didn't have a block until the fourth quarter, which tells you, that it was just a free-for-all in, in the paint. Uh, Utah ended up scoring 68 points in the paint, which is the most this season. That tells you that it's, it was just kind of a uh, guard drive, bigs, keeping them alive, tipping balls and, and scoring baskets right there next to the, to the, to the paint. So um, that fourth quarter was big, and he showed up and, and – that's important, and it's important for Coach to be able to have that conversation with him and his growth to go, yeah, yeah, you're right. Let me go get it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. David Wesley here with us on the Black and Blue Report. David, last night was your eighth win at home, your eighth against the West, and your 12-12 and overall. Are you okay with 12-12? and Is this about where you thought this team would be? Well, I'm a little more optimistic than 12 and 12, but when you look at what's gone on and and the schedule and and what they've done, I think um, I I think they're in good shape. You know, if if you win eight out of every 11, so if you go uh, eight and three uh, uh, at home, or even seven and uh, they went into the game seven and three, so they're mm-hmm. they're into their next ten. So if they go seven and three again, they end up twenty eight and twelve, which is pretty close to where you you need to be. And then you go out and you feast on the East. You win the you know you 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 beat some teams like San Antonio. You go in their building and get a win, or you or you still won at your house. Whatever the case may be, but if you stay on this pace, they're they're going to be they're going to be right where they need to be. Interesting, interesting. Uh, let me ask you though about the next couple. <laughs> You've got Houston, Portland, Oklahoma City is your next three. And if you saw the Jazz score 68 in the point in the paint last night, 
when do you get a load of James Harden in the Rockets tomorrow night, David? <laughs> yeah, well, that, you know, that's what he does. He he flops around, he drives hard, he's wild, and while trying to draw fouls, he has this uncanny ability to still concentrate and finish at the basket. So if they don't do something about their perimeter on-ball defense, which, you know, I've always said Drew is one of the best at moving his feet, he wasn't very good last night. Uh if you if you if you allow that kind of activity in the paint and Howard down there tipping and dunking the basketball, you are going to have a miserable night, and it won't even be close. Uh, I don't expect them to have another night like that in Houston, uh, but they have to go down there and play really well, play really together to get a win in Houston. Put your player's head on for a moment and think about this thought. Um, Houston's at Denver tonight. They're probably not going to land in Houston until 3, 3.30 tomorrow morning. If you're a player, do you do you even think about that and say, hey, we got a chance to maybe jump on these guys early, or do you not even put that thought in your mind? It's hard not to, especially when when you know maybe the game is on and you watch it, uh, and, and so you know they're going to be uh, driving in uh, late at night after playing a game. But so did Golden State. They didn't necessarily drive, fly as far, and they didn't get in as late, but they played a long, hard-fought game uh, the night before, I think in Oklahoma City, before they came to, came to play uh, the Pelicans. And, yeah, it took them to overtime to get the win, but you, you certainly uh, can do – you can certainly get a win. So they can't let down thinking, oh, well, they're playing the night before, we're good. They have to go out there and put it on them. They have to go out there and, you know, play their style of game, up-tempo a little bit, and take care of the basketball. 16 turnovers last night, 17 turnovers? You can't yeah. you can't give a team that many opportunities. I think 17 was the second most of the season. That's a lot of turnovers for, for this Pelican team who's right around 11.7, 11.8. Yeah, top five in the league. So I think you're you're dead on there. But maybe, maybe David, tomorrow night's one of those games you were talking about. Maybe it's one of those games that you – I don't know, say steal on the road, but maybe pick off that maybe others didn't think you could. Yeah, it, it might be a steal. It, you know what? Who cares what it's called? Go in there and get one. However you get it, bank one off the glass at the buzzer. I mean, that's the game that you trailed the whole game and finally win. It doesn't matter how you get it. Go in there and get it. Uh, you know, and I, and I think this team is – when this team is playing well, it's very, very, very capable of beating just about anybody in this league and – uh, they showed that by playing a Golden State game, uh, a Golden State team that that came in here and they found a way to to, to take them all the way to the wire, and, and they could have won that one, which would have been mm-hmm. a, another huge win, like the San Antonio win. Yeah, you're right about that. You're right about that, my friend. This is our last Wesley Wednesday before Christmas. Uh, no show oh. next Wednesday, so. Uh, I will see you, obviously, all weekend long. But formally here on the Black and Blue Report, Merry Christmas to you and the rest of the Wesleys. Yes, well, thank you. And, and Merry Christmas to, to all of you Kellys and to you and uh, and to all the listeners. Uh, Merry Christmas, and I guess we'll see you after Christmas. Yes, but I'll see you t- today on the plane. Don't think you're getting yes, rid of me just yet. <laughs> yeah. David Wesley with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Again, Pelicans and Rockets tomorrow night. Coverage on Fox Sports New Orleans begins at 7 Central with their pregame show. Then Joe and David take the microphone at 7.30. We'll do the same on the Pelicans Radio Network tomorrow night as well. Big game in the division for the New Orleans Pelicans. 
All right, stay with us. When we come back, D. Orlando Ledbetter from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution helps us start our conversation about the Saints and Falcons this week. And then a little bit later on, Daniel Salerson and Jake Seely talk fantasy football as we continue on this Wednesday. At the Auctioner Hospital for Children, no matter where you turn, you're surrounded by bravery. Children and teens dealing with health problems beyond their years. Parents working hard to keep the worry from their face. Doctors and nurses doing everything possible to get them back home where they belong. From rare brain tumors and leukemia to heart conditions and organ transplants, we offer a level of pediatric care unmatched in Louisiana. With more advanced capabilities than any other children's hospital in the region, even our kids-only ER can handle any pediatric emergency. In fact, the only thing tougher than the problems we see every day are the kids themselves. Choose the Auctioner Hospital for Children and never wonder if you could have done more. Call 866-AUCTIONER to find an affiliated pediatrician near you. Auctioner, healthcare with peace of mind. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Sean Kelly. All right, our conversation regarding the Saints and the Falcons begins this week with the esteemed beat writer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, D. Orlando Ledbetter, who's on the beat of the Atlanta Falcons here as we reach the furthest, uh, furthest depths of the regular season and what a season it's been. Daryl, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Sean. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. You have, uh, you've been with this Falcons group all season long, and uh, much like here in New Orleans, it's been quite a ride for you all there in Atlanta, hasn't it? Oh, yeah, no question about it. The uh, started off pretty uh, good for the Falcon fans with that overtime victory against the Saints, and then uh, somewhere along the line, uh, things went sideways for them, and uh, they're trying to get everything corrected here late in the season and uh, uh, claim this NFC South title and go to the playoffs, much like the Saints are. I guess this is what the NFL wanted, right? Almost, almost like a single elimination tournament in the last couple of weeks? No question. Uh, Pete Rozelle is somewhere smiling down on the league of parity that he's created. Uh, you know, there are a lot of teams still in contention here as the uh, season is winding down. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's what the, uh, uh, the the powers that be wanted. They wanted the fan bases to be excited uh, with the chance to win the Super Bowl. I don't know how excited the fa- Falcons fan base is, but uh, – <laughs> because uh, half of them didn't show up last week for the Pittsburgh game, but but certainly the league is happy that all the teams haven't been eliminated. What about the Falcons themselves? Here, here Daryl, they've lost two in a row, but yet all signs point to optimism for that football team, even in coming to a place that you described earlier this week as their temple of doom. Yeah, no question about it. They've been able to rally in some games and, uh, you know, after falling behind and show that, hey, they can execute and uh, score score some points and, and compete with some very good teams. Uh, they were able to, to come back and uh, put a scare in Green Bay. And against Pittsburgh, they uh, fell behind and also came back. Uh, but they took out of that game that they could stop the running attack. They were able to keep Le'Veon Bell down to 47 yards on 20 carries. And uh, if they're going to do anything here down the stretch, they're going to have to stop some good running backs, starting with Mark Ingram in New Orleans. 
D. Orlando Ledbetter on the Falcons beat for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. D, everybody here, of course, and I'm sure in Atlanta too, wants to know, can Julio Jones go for the Falcons this weekend? Um, I, I I don't think so. we got to find out more here, but we haven't even seen him run. Uh, they've been hiding him from the media. He didn't even come out on the field and try to warm up uh, before the game. He uh, just stretched in the locker room, uh, just came in today, uh, tried to look out on the field while they were walking through. I didn't see a 11, but it used to look like the defense was out there, so probably uh, that might have been the case. They'll practice later on today, and if we get to see him running and doing some things, uh, it would be uh, newsworthy, and we'll be uh, you know, posting that on the uh, website and on, uh, uh, on Twitter and so forth. But as of right now, until we see him play or do any football move, you got to think he's out for this game. That's interesting. You know, of course, as you know and if reported to us, uh, he leads the NFL in receiving yards, and he's so dangerous on the long ball. What kind of an impact did his absence have in their last game, and what kind of an impact will it have against the Saints' defense this weekend if he can't go? Well, it allowed the Steelers to come up and uh, you know uh, shut down the running game. But uh, uh, the one big thing was that, hey, Pittsburgh got out in front, so the Falcons had to move away from that run. Harry Douglas and Roddy White tried to pick up the slack, but uh, weren't able to, to, to do it. Harry did have a 100-yard game. Uh, and Devin Hester did catch a touchdown pass. But uh, those three guys um, will be counting up on to try to, you know, do a little bit more to fill the void that's left by the great Julio Jones if he can't play on Sunday. What's going on with the Falcons' defensive secondary? It seems like there's a lot of things to watch this week. Yeah, the secondary isn't really the problem, Sean, when you break it down. Uh, we really don't know how bad or how good those guys are. The problem is up front where they get absolutely no pass rush, and quarterbacks have been uh, having six to eight seconds to pick them apart. They just can't hold up that long in coverage. Nobody in the league can. So uh, you have the the worst pass rush in the league, uh, 16 sacks. You almost have 20 teams that have doubled that sack total, uh, and that's been the problem. That's been the Achilles heel of this defense is that they have not been able to even manufacture a any kind of pass rush. What can you tell us about Rob Alford and what he could mean to this game? You know, a lot of folks followed him when he played his college ball at Southeast Louisiana. How will he uh, fit in this weekend? Yeah, Rob's out. He uh, went on IR this week. His replacement is Robert McClain. Uh, You know, he had the wrist. They were counting on him coming back. But uh, Coach told us Monday that uh, they they switched field and – they're going to have uh, surgery and uh, and put him out for the year. So Robert McClain will start at that corner, and he's mm-hmm. been a favorite uh, whipping boy of Drew Brees for for uh, for a while here when he was playing in the nickel slot. So uh, you know we'll expect him to uh, have to step up. That's what Coach Nolan said. And uh, Josh Wilson, the former Redskin, will play uh, the nickelback spot for the Falcons. Do you sense in any way as, as, as these two teams get ready for each other this weekend that Sean Payton is in Mike Smith's head a little bit? I know that Saints fans love to kind of tease Mike Smith a lot, um, but yet, you know, uh, Smith's still hanging on there in Atlanta right now. Well, yeah, he's the winningest coach in Falcons history. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we had five straight winning seasons. But, yeah, uh, Coach Payton, I think we wrote earlier that Coach Payton owns the Falcons uh, 
Uh, I don't know the uh, overall numbers right off the top now, but I do know the Falcons are one and five in New Orleans under Coach Smith. I think he's four and nine overall, but two of those games weren't uh, Sean Payton's games because he was suspended for the one year. So uh, yeah, he does not have a winning record against the Saints. It's four and nine, and uh, you know he needs that fifth win here to keep probably keep his job a little bit longer. Wow. Who wins this game, D, and, and, and then I guess who goes on to win the division in your eyes? Uh, I think the Saints are our favorite. You know, it's, they're six-point uh, favorites. They're at home. Uh, that reshuffled secondary, I don't know how that's going to hold up. But uh, the Falcons' uh, uh, defense is so leaky that they have to kind of count on turnovers. So, uh, you know, that's not a formula for victory. I believe the Saints will get this one and, uh, you know, win out and go to the playoffs 8-8. Eight and eight. Uh, but the fans here in Atlanta would probably not be that be that upset because they would did slide into the top ten of the NFL draft where they might be able to find them a pass rusher. Yeah, they could end up getting I think as high as eighth as far as what I I tried to figure out, which is so complicated right now. Um, but that could be you're right. It could be a decent pick, no doubt, as opposed to being twenty first if you were to win the NFC South. All right, D. Orlando. Let me let me help summarize here. Or let's let's kind of a, I guess put a nice neat bow on this thing. As far as storylines go for you, as you cover the Falcons team on their way to New Orleans this weekend, give me your top two or three bullet points that you must keep your eye on as the beat reporter there in Atlanta this week. Well, you got to make sure that uh, Junior Gallet and uh, Jordan don't get loose in the pass rush, or otherwise Matt Ryan's in trouble, and you don't have any chance. You need to get some kind of turnovers on defense to uh, slow down the uh, Saints offense. And you have to, everything starts with containing Jimmy Graham. And if you got to put two people on him on every play, then put two people on him on every play. Those are mm, some of the key bullet points going into that game. All right, good stuff there. As always, uh, thank you very much. We appreciate your, uh, your first visit with us here, and we wish you all the best this weekend, safe travel and all that, and happy holidays too, my friend. All right, thank you very much, Sean. Thanks for having me on the show, and I hope we can come back and do it again. Absolutely. D. Orlando Ledbetter from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution here with us on the Black and Blue Report. The conversation is underway. Saints-Falcons this weekend, and we're back in a moment. All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money. Pelicans fans, be sure to download the team's official app so you can play our new game, Quest for the Coast, presented by Chevron. Help Pierre the Pelicans save the coast in this infinite flying adventure. Save as many miles of the coast as you can before the water rises. This fun interactive game includes a basketball bonus round and educational facts about the environment provided by the Audubon Nature Institute. Quest for the Coast, presented by Chevron. Available only on the Pelicans app. Download it today. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Daniel Sellerson. 
Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Today is a, a very sad day here. Uh, the Fantasy Focus presented by Xbox One has come to an end. Jake Seeley joins us for the last time. Jake, it, it's just its so sad. I don't want this day to end. I know. It's bittersweet. The season always goes so fast, and it's over already. It's, it's, it's tough to swallow. It is. It is, especially when most of my teams, at least, are have gone down the toilet already and are not even in consideration. I do have one championship team this week, so I'm going to need your help, and I think a lot of people are going to need your help. So I'm going to ask you, is there any advice for people that are in the championship? Is there anything with waivers or lineups that you can give us uh, for those battling in a fantasy championship? Yeah, I'll actually give you a little tidbit for both waivers and your lineups. For lineups, first of all, is don't start getting too cute or overthinking what got you to this point? Basically, everybody starts looking at matchups. I, you know, I write a column about matchups in Roto Experts, and then people start overreacting and start thinking, well, Mark Sanchez has a terrific matchup. Maybe I should play him over Peyton Manning because Peyton Manning hasn't been that good. And I understand that the few last games haven't been the Peyton Manning fantasy output you want, but that's just not what you do at this point. That's what loses people championships is they start to get too crazy. And then on the waiver side of things is it's week 16, your bench means nothing. If you're not starting them, they're basically expendable. So look at the team that you're playing. If they need a defense because they've been playing the defense carousel or a kicker or their tight ends struggling a little bit, pick up everybody you can to block your opponent. A great example is if you lost to Marco Murray and they don't have Joseph Randall. Go pick up Joseph Randall so they don't have an option if Murray is out this weekend. So make sure you're using your bench to make sure that your opponent can't get stronger. Good stuff there. Good pointers there. Um, all right, we're kind of we're gonna do what we did last week as far as matchup wise, since there's really hopefully too many people are not using the waiver wire this week, but some might. Give me one or two QBs that have the best fantasy matchup this week. Yeah, I just talked about Sanchez, and we'll stick in that game. Not only does Sanchez have a good matchup going against the Redskins, Robert Griffin has a good matchup going against the Eagles. Uh, you look at what they've done. They've allowed six quarterbacks to run for over 20 yards this year. That includes Luck Kaepernick, Austin Davis, Fitzpatrick, Aaron Rodgers, and Russell Wilson. So you have to think that Robert Griffin has a good chance to put up the rushing yards, which is what you want from him. That's where his fantasy values always come from, especially his rookie season. So it's very risky to use Robert Griffin and trust him in your championship game. That being said, if you've been stuck, you had some quarterback injuries or you were playing mix and match throughout the entire season because you just waited so long on quarterbacks, he is somebody that has a lot more upside than most this week. It's very risky, but he could actually win you a title. All right. All right. How about a couple running backs? Uh, there's a, quite a few to like this week. Of course, Mark Ingram did really well against the Falcons in week one. Uh, since then, every single team that they've faced the only team that didn't get over 13.9 fantasy points against them were the Ravens, and that's because Bernard Pierce stole Justin Forsett's touchdown. So you've got to put Mark Ingram out there. Pierre Thomas, good matchup there in the first matchup, too. Uh, looked good again in the past two weeks since he's been back, so I like both of them. And then Fred Jackson is just – I don't know if he's found the fountain of youth, and just, he just keeps churning at this age. It's very impressive. People just aren't paying attention to him since he's come back from the injury earlier this season, the last four games. He's the 20th best running back this season. That's with only one touchdown. He just continues to produce, continues to bring RB2 value, and people just continue to overlook him. And now he's got a very favorable matchup again this week. So Fred Jackson, RB2, even though people just don't want to give him the credit for it. We're talking with Jake Seeley from RotoExperts.com, part of our Fantasy Focus, presented by Xbox One. Let's go to the wide receivers. Jake, give me one or two. Uh, that have a good matchup this week? I'm actually going back with the Saints again here. If you look at what the Falcons have done, 
10 receivers on the year have gone for over 100 yards against them. And then in one game with uh, the Bears, Jeffrey and Brandon Marshall, they both did it together. Colston went for 110 in week one against them. Uh, they've allowed 70 targets and 11 receiving touchdowns in the red zone to receivers. I think Stills and Colston are both great options this week. And depending on what you have, I mean, DeAndre Hopkins has been terrific. The question at quarterback is huge, and that puts him in a very precarious situation for your championship game. That being said, with how weak the Ravens' pass defense has been against receivers this year, I think you still have to roll Hopkins out there, even if it's not the accuracy we've seen from the other quarterbacks, the fact that the volume I think will make up for it and the matchup will help. So it, it's tough to trust him given a situation, but I think you have to. All right, hopefully you're not going to the waiver wire unless you are blocking someone like you said earlier. Give me a couple waiver pickups for this weekend. Yeah, waiver pickups are very thin. Obviously, we talked about it with, if you look at the situation with the Cowboys, if DeMarco Murray is out, you have to go and get Joseph Randall and Dunbar just in case they announce the starter. I doubt they will because a lot of times coaches don't do that for the NFL reasons, not fantasy reasons. They don't care about us. Yeah. <laughs> but you don't want to let the opponent know what you're doing. But the matchup points to Joseph Randall being the lead guy because the Colts are uh, running up the gut for the opponent type of matchup. And that's what Randall does. Dunbar is very better in space and as a pass catcher. So I think Randall points to that. That's somebody who, even if I don't own Murray, as I said, Randall, if Murray's out, Randall might be your RB2 or RB3, even if you don't own Murray. So you have to grab him. And then I'm going back to running back again. Toby Gerhardt impressed me last week. The Ravens have been ridiculously strong against running backs this year. And he did pretty well. I wasn't expecting that many yards for him against that tough defense. And he looked pretty good. And now he's got a terrific matchup on Thursday night against one of the weakest run defenses in the league. So he goes from one of the best to one of the weakest. And it's a really nice matchup. He could be a flex play for you, especially if you waited on running backs in your draft this year. That's Jake Seeley from RotoExperts.com, part of our Fantasy Focus presented by Xbox One. I didn't want this segment to end, Jake. I don't have any more questions for you, but I really <laughs> appreciate your insight this this year. It's been it's been a pleasure hearing what you have to say. You've done a great job, and we hope to have you back next year, my friend. Oh, absolutely. It was one of my favorite segments, and I'm, uh, I am looking forward to doing it again next year. That's Jake Seeley again, RotoExperts.com. Uh, make sure you check out all his work throughout the year as part of our Fantasy Focus this year. Presented by Xbox One. When we come back, Sean Kelly will wrap things up. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report. Football fans, travel to Shreveport, Bossier City on Saturday, December 27th and attend the 39th annual Duck Commander Independence Bowl. One of the oldest bowl games in the country, this year's matchup features the Miami Hurricanes taking on the Gamecocks of South Carolina. While in town, enjoy great gaming action, shopping, food, and nightlife. Check out hotel packages for the game and other things to do at Shreveport-Bossier.org or call 888-45-VISIT. Okay, Beth, our holiday party is almost here. You're bringing the cheese plate and meat tray, right? Check. Should be a great party. Party. Party favors. I knew I was missing something. Did someone say party favors? Patty, the party planner. How about a party favor that really pays off? Look at these holiday scratch-offs from the lottery. Pick up Happy Holidays, Peppermint Doubler, and Holiday $100,000 Party. Must be at least 21 to purchase. Fantastic party favors. You can scratch off your list. He must be a big deal since he's verified on Twitter. He's Sean Kelly, and this is the Black and Blue Report.
Sure was an enjoyable Wednesday with you here on the Black and Blue Report. Big thanks to D. Orlando Ledbetter from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, Jake Seeley from RotoExperts.com, and, of course, David Wesley as well here on a Wesley Wednesday. Uh, David and I will be on a plane this afternoon heading to Houston, Texas. Tomorrow's Black and Blue Report will originate from... Not Studio B, but my hotel room in Houston, Texas. And we've got a great show planned for you. We'll preview Pelicans and Rockets with Joel Blank from the Houston Rockets Radio Network. And we'll also really get into our football conversation tomorrow as we uh, have two of our all-time favorite guests. Of course, Thursday means the voice of the Saints, Jim Henderson. And our visit with the voices tomorrow uh, concludes with the voice of the Atlanta Falcons. That's Wes Durham. So we'll get probably... Uh, our two best uh, visits regarding Saints and Falcons this weekend from those guys tomorrow. We sure hope that you'll be able to join us for what we think will be a very good podcast uh, from Houston, Texas tomorrow. Yours, of course, after 12 noon Central. And we call it No Appointment Radio because a podcast is awfully handy, whether it's on your mobile device through the Saints or Pelicans app, on your desktop through Pelicans.com or NewOrleansSaints.com. And, uh, Obviously, still free for you on iTunes as well. Our thanks to Daniel Salerson, our executive producer today. In share, he'll be with us again tomorrow, obviously. And we thank you for listening as well. Don't forget, you can follow and keep up with the uh, day's lineup each and every weekday on uh, our Twitter handle, which is at Black Blue Report. Stay tuned uh, for coverage later on today from NewOrleansSaints.com regarding the uh, practice availability for John DeShazer and the rest of the media. And the first words of the week from head coach Sean Payton regarding this huge football game on Sunday. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, everybody. And I'll see you right back here tomorrow on the Black and Blue Report. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.